Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Mike Kading. Thanks for having me. This should be fun. Well, great to have you here. Now, Mike, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is construction. I love building things. But before we do, I would love to get a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Yeah, it was ultimately a family business. My parents started it, uh, and I grew up with it. I can remember driving to the local hardware store, maybe a half an hour away, filling our truck and our, our, our space with all this building materials as we kind of worked on these very small apartments early on. Uh, eventually, I went off to college, and I wanted nothing to do with the family business. Uh, my dad really wanted me to join, but I didn't want anything to do with it because I don't want people to think it was given to me. So I kind of wrestled through my own ego there, but eventually jumped in full time. And my dad and I doubled the size of the company in the first couple of years, but then uh, he passed away. And so overnight, uh, I was in charge of this business. And in many ways, I didn't know what I was doing. And looking back, that was sort of the magic to help us really start to find new ways to do construction. Fascinating. So fast forward to today, I mean, if we look at the last 24 months, anyone with a pulse could make money in construction. Today, it's going to weed out the amateurs and leave the professionals. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you've done that has prepared you for this economic cycle that's really going to have you succeed in this downturn? Yeah. So at a high level, really, we're focused on driving down the cost of construction. So we we build, design, and rent apartments. And we're achieving about a 20 to 30% reduction in cost. And we think we can get that to a, a 50% uh, reduction in cost compared to other developers. And so there are a lot of techniques and a lot of ways that we do that. But one of the very first simple techniques is by bringing uh, most of the work in-house. So Traditionally, the owner is different than the developer, who's different than the general contractor, who's different than all your subs doing the actual work. We're also different than your manufacturers and your suppliers. Most of that, all the way down and including some manufacturing and all the supply chain, we now have in-house. But that already improves some minor efficiencies. For example, I have seen different subcontractors rip out work from other subcontractors that they've already completed. They annoyed them and they're frustrated by it or what have you. It's kind of the the world sometimes we live in, but bringing it all in house then enables us to start using some pretty neat techniques. And so we actually have a partnership with Toyota, for example. And what we're doing is we're applying lean principles, which is nothing new in this industry. One of the examples of this is at Toyota. They have an assembly line. Assembly line. We take our building and break it into smaller batches, and then. Every five hours, right now, each team moves to that next batch, which is generally a unit. This takes a project that would have normally taken 15 months, and just that one technique drops it down to nine months. Well, if you look at the activity on any construction site, if you look at your average construction site, the number one activity is absolutely zero, nothing. There is nobody yes. on site. It's absolutely yes. idle. So from that perspective, I've it's very easy for me to believe the schedule is highly, highly compressible with a little bit of critical chain thinking being applied to the project management. So that that's definitely very straightforward, which obviously helps your holding cost. The challenge, yep. of course, over the last 24 months has been getting things when they're needed to the site. 
mm-hmm. with the supply chain shortages, windows in particular, exterior doors in particular, but there have been other shortages as well. How do you mitigate that? Yeah, so uh, having a supply chain team in place has been really helpful. We actually have people working in China, people working in Mexico, and also here in the United States. And so we can build those relationships directly with the manufacturers. In many ways, actually, the headaches we were having here in the United States over the past couple of years forced us to do even more supply chain, right? Because if I can't get it here locally, why not go further down the chain and contact and interact with the people directly who may be making those supplies? And then there are... I guess less exciting, but very technical techniques, things like analyzing the volatility in any one supply chain, and then making sure you have safety stock to support that volatility. You know, I think in lean, the way people usually think about inventory is it's all waste. And the truth is inventory is waste. You want to minimize it, but a certain degree of inventory actually makes sense to handle the fluctuations that you can't control in a supply chain. So that's one of the techniques that we use to mitigate that. I'm a big fan of pre-purchasing materials in order to gain control over your cost structure and gain control over your lead time. Now, of course, like you said, inventory costs money. There's a holding cost associated with that. So you don't want to be carrying too much inventory, but you can make some really substantial savings by carrying the right amount of inventory in the right time. But then again, the other challenge with inventory is sometimes you're multiplying your handling and and Mm -hmm. that that takes time as well. Exactly. And so what we think, when we're thinking about our supply chain, we think about delivering the exact product somebody needs for that particular unit on the hour. And we're not perfect at this, but that that's the journey that we're on to get to that kind of level. And so you just have to deal with each different supply differently. Some supplies, maybe you're getting from the United States here, we trust the supplier. We can get them delivered twice a day. Uh, and then it actually flows very nicely. Other supplies, especially supplies you're buying from China, they have to go over ship. Uh, you now have to handle that volatility, the fact that you'll get a large amount of it every couple of weeks, and that's a plus or minus three or four week lead time. You can't get much more accurate than that. So then we think about, okay, can we drop container loads in a smart spot and have the shipping company take the empty container loads back that way we're not unloading it or anything like that. And then we move it, maybe this is only a mile or two away, but we're moving that one container to site very predictably, maybe once a week. And then they take it from the site into the building every five hours. And so you just have to use a kind of a, a wise mindset, a, a smart approach, and just diagnose each supply item separately. We see a wide variation in materials. And even in the projects that we build, we've seen almost a hundred percent Delta in quotes that we've received for, and I'm not talking specialty materials. I'm talking commodity materials throughout the past year. And so we've really convinced ourselves that it pays to shop around. It pays to have someone dedicated to sourcing materials and literally shopping around to, to get the best pricing. What's been your experience? Exactly true. I mean, we go, Sometimes pretty extreme. I can remember uh, we were dealing with blocks one year, really struggling with the block supply. And this is more than just the materials. It was also the subcontractor at the time. And it was really hard to find anyone to do the work. It was hard to find the materials. Uh, our team ended up contacting 70 different companies before we were able to find one that could reach the price point we were looking for and the quality that we needed to get done. 
And so sometimes it just takes a lot of tenacity. There are other techniques though you can use, for example, um, the futures market. So mm. like lumber and steel, uh, they're pretty volatile in price. You can smooth that out by using uh, futures. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what about materials? You know, we think about specialty trades where you need, you know, licensed people in each geography, plumbing, electrical, how, and those are big ticket items, HVAC as well. How are you able to get substantial savings in those items? Because they represent a significant percentage of your overall construction costs. And I haven't found those to be quite as compressible as some of the other elements. Yeah, so the first thing, at least from a labor point of view, we we bring on all of those trades in-house. So each one of the contractors would have had some degree of contractor's profit that we can capture mm -hmm. by bringing it in-house. And then secondly, how do I put this? People don't think a lot about culture in the construction world. There's certainly companies that do, don't get me wrong, but I've seen a lot of companies that don't do that well. And so one thing we pour a lot of time and attention into is finding the best people paying them top of market because the best people outperform average people by two to 10 times as much. I've seen it many times over and creating a culture where you gain not only their hands, but you're gaining their heart. And once you do that, you see a significant improvement uh, within those teams. But then you also want to think about how do you make continuous improvement? So go back to lean. A lot of people preach the importance of something like lean, but it's really hard to implement because you have 10,000 problems on your site and you need your individual frontline people solving those problems. So you need their heart in doing that. And so one, one little technique that we use is that each team produces a lean video every single week. And then they show that video off on Fridays. There's cheering, there's excitement. It's, it's a lot of fun actually. And uh, to show the little improvements that they're making. And no one improvement is massive. What's ma what matters though, is that we have thousands of little improvements that add up to substantial improvement. That resonates very strongly with me. Now, when we talk about the objectives of a, an owner, a developer, those are often at odds with the objectives of a subcontractor. Mm. Your objective as an owner is to get the project done in the minimum time with the highest quality, whereas the objective of a subcontractor is often just to keep their people busy. They don't want downtime. So they're, those are not necessarily in sync. Those are often at odds with your objectives as an owner. If you keep that in-house, how do you keep your people busy? Because that is a factor as well. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And it's, it's pretty magical when you bring it in-house, a lot of those conflicts go away. Because at the end of the day, we're really about solving America's housing affordability crisis, right? If we can drive down the cost of housing, we can lower it the cost for everyone eventually. But uh, um, one of the nice things is because our costs are 20 to 30% less than other developers right now, for example, the, this last six months, we see the rise in interest rates and some developments are coming, you know, no longer penciling out. Our developments still do, right? Because before, you know, a year ago, we were actually generating cash with each building because the bank would put money into the project. And by the time we were done, uh, the bank would put in more money than it would cost us to actually do the project. So we were generating cash with each building. Today, that's not quite the case because of the rising in interest rates, but we're still, we still have a healthy profit margin where others don't. So, so the fact we've already compressed costs helps insulate us from the wider market. And then we just line up project after project after project. We think about this as one really long continuous process 
that we just feed the hopper in the front end so that the crew can keep working. And we never had to lay anyone off for lack of work. I love it. Well, Mike, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah, you can visit our website. It's norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. And we have investment opportunities as well as um, we're creating a new podcast. Awesome. Well, I love the perspective. It uh, resonates very strongly with with our perspective as well and definitely kindred spirit. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Mike Kading at norhart.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.